The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Hi, everyone. It's Jason Kelly in New York with a special edition of Bloomberg Business of Sports. Well, for the latest installment of our Athlete Empire documentary series, I headed out to Portland, Oregon to see one of the most feared defensive tackles in the NFL, Indomitian Sue. Turns out he's not that scary. Riding around in his hometown, I got to see the city through his eyes, not just as a native son, but as an investor keen to change the landscape from the ground up. From an ambitious entertainment project called Alberta Alley to his downtown restaurant called Bay's, I got to hear how he thinks about real estate as a key to solving some of society's biggest problems. We also spent a lot of time at his house with his wife, Katya, and his twin sons, Kari and Kingston, all of one year old. And in his backyard, Sue and I sat down for an extended conversation. We talked about his philosophy of life, of business, what he learned from Warren Buffett, and how he feels about continuing to play football or not. I think you'll hear a side of Indomitian Sue you didn't know before. To see the documentary, check out Athlete Empire on Bloomberg.com or YouTube. Here's Sue. So tell me your business philosophy, like in a nutshell, like how do you distill it down? I think the business philosophy is very similar to what I mentioned the other day, just understanding that investing and social impact can go without question hand in hand. And I think you can impact other people's lives and do good, but at the same time, make smart business decisions where it's, I've always seen it as a true give and take relationship versus just someone always taking. And I think that's where that capitalistic mindset that majority of America lives in. So how did you come to that? I think a lot of that came to how I got to where I am. Uh, and a lot of people have helped me in my path, whether it's my parents, which you would say inevitably they're going to do whatever they can to help me succeed. But then there's other people that were really centered around me in my village that helped me grow and get to where I'm at. And so it's not, I don't view it as something as you would want to be at the top by yourself. You'd want other people that are like-minded and you want to work with them. And when you have the opportunity to help other people at the same time, it's a smart business decision and seeing things that you can grow. Why not create both? All right. You mentioned this village. And, and one of the things that strikes me having spent a couple of days with you now is, I mean, your life, you know, for so long, really right up to the point you go to college and now sort of back to it. It's like centered in these very few blocks that we're, that we're sitting in right now um, in Portland. Tell me about how that, that village, that specific village sort of influenced that, this one in yeah, particular. Yeah, I think the community here in Portland and just really in general is a small community. So there's really a quarter degree of separation. Everybody talks about a one degree of separation from anybody in the world. And how I view it, I grew up around, sent around a bunch of different pieces. I was here in Portland, majority of the time, Irvington Grant District, and that small radius, but was being, was able to and exposed to other things outside, whether that's getting out to Lake Oswego, the Tigers, the other areas, just to see what they lived. But my core was here. And that's where I believed as my youth grew up, I was shaped in and around the people that I interacted with. And I had great influences, uh, whether that were coaches, teachers, um, and just people in the business community that I got to meet around. I mentioned the other day, uh, uh, being able to be friends with a, a great designer and very 
influential person in, in the sports world in Tinker Hatfield. Uh, but a lot of people don't get to have those interactions and get that exposure as kids. And so being able to see what he was done and what he's read, he took me to Nike and I got to see Nike at a young age. I got to get my feet molded and see all how they go through all their processes. So those experiences, even though Portland's small, the, we have a big reach. And and Portland also presents this opportunity for you as, as a young person and, and now as an adult to, as you talked about, kind of marry these business aspirations along with with impact and, and, and social good. And one of the issues that I know is at the fore for you and a lot of people you work with is this notion of representation and ownership. Tell me about that and, and how that plays into, into the philosophy that you have. Yeah, I think representation and ownership uh, ultimately to, to reach ultimate success in my eyes and seeing how my parents uh, brought me up and how they came into really America being both from third world countries uh, the only way to create wealth and generational wealth is by own, owning real estate and being able to progress in that manner. And I think that's a, a big part of who I am and what I was, what I want to create. Uh, one with the development company, but then also the aspirations to help other people in and around being able to. I think it's it's a it's a privilege, but it's also something that should be afforded to everybody is having a, a home of their own to build their own kind of nest egg and, and grow from there. So there's multiple ways that can be, be brought up. And I think we have some creative ways through our development company to do that. Let's talk about that because, you know, walking around Alberta Alley with you and with Brennan and talking about this, this pretty big idea of reversing history in in some ways and 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 writing wrongs candidly i mean that's a big idea but but you're putting it in into practice explain that to me yeah i think uh i've always believed actions are much louder than words and so believing in understanding i grew up in on two blocks away from Alberta off of Prescott and then seeing how gentrification has transformed over the years, the last 20 years. And a lot of the African-American families and BIPOC families have been, have been pushed out and haven't had, there were, they started their young businesses. My dad started his business down off Alberta very closely uh, off 26. And so there's, having the opportunity to be in a position to be able to bring companies back and different organizations back and ones that want to be in that area uh, that happen to be BIPOC is something exciting and, and something I want to do. All right. You, you mentioned your family a little bit. And, and one thing that I've certainly taken away from from talking to you is both your parents and, and your family more broadly are a very, like a vital influence. They're an influence on everybody, yeah. but I dare say for you, it, it was next level in, in terms of, you know, the impact that they had on you, obviously as a human being, but but even as a business person, explain that and 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 reflect on that, if you will, and kind of what you took, especially from your parents. Yeah, my parents, uh, just understanding how they were brought into this world, uh, both being Jamaican, my mom being Jamaican, my dad being Cameroonian, and having to work them work themselves into a position to not only support themselves, but also their extended family uh, was something that I took and understood at a very young age that I didn't want them to have to continue to support me. I wanted to hit the reverse button and I want to be able to re re support them as I got. So luckily made it to the league, all those different things, but that's short lived. And I think those are some great opportunities to advance you very quickly. Uh, but at the end of the day, I had an ultimate vision when I went to college to become an engineer, come back here to Portland and build another division to, uh, alongside my father, uh, being able to graduate my degree and have that nuance and understand that these are some of the great ways to change uh, the family and be able to build an ultimate legacy that can be followed in other footsteps. And your older sister has a big influence on that, as well as both an athlete and and a student and and a role model. It sounds like yeah, she was without question uh, my biggest and most important role model, especially as a, as a young kid coming up in middle school and in high school, going on to college, seeing her get a scholarship to go to the Mississippi State, uh, double major, and then obviously be able to play at a very high level uh, at playing soccer, and then obviously play for my dad's country. 
I had the aspirations to do that same type of methodical approach of being able to get a scholarship, gain my degree, and see where it allows me to go from there. And and that idea of the academic side really plays a big role, it sounds like, in where you ultimately decide to, to go to college, right? No question. Uh, academics were, first and foremost, everything. Uh, my mom being a teacher, my dad being an engineer, like... Education is the one thing that nobody can ever take away from you. And your knowledge is very, very, very powerful. And that's something that I pride myself on being able to not just be kind of that dumb jock that's out there. I only worried, worried about sports and only focus on that. I want to be able to walk into different rooms, different demographics and be able to speak the language, have those same conversations with people. And people really respect me. And I think over time, people have really taken me seriously because I can talk the talk and I can walk the walk at the same time. And I'm no different than any other person who studied like this and wanted to get into this avenue for a long period of time or starting since college. And so what was it that ultimately made you choose Nebraska? Uh, ultimate decision to choose Nebraska, uh, it was a combination of things. I would say being able to obviously play early as a young freshman, uh, then more importantly, I was able to go to a type, top five uh, organization where I was going to be able to get my construction management engineering degree, which I figured out very early, really before I even stepped foot on campus. And that was kind of my big driver of whether or not I was going to go to a school because most schools were like, we'll take you, we'll figure out how we want to do it. I was like, you can't just create an engineering program out of thin air, as some schools mentioned they would do. Because they wanted you as a football player, let's Correct. be clear, right? Yeah, no question. And so for me, it was finding that perfect mix. And I, funny enough, didn't have as much fun as I had thought I would when I went on my Nebraska visit. And I, th I came back home, wrote down the pros and cons with my parents, went to five different schools, and I was like, I think Nebraska is the right choice for me. Uh, and then I had a comfort level of there was a defensive line coach at the time, a guy named uh, the late John Blake, that was at Mississippi State with my sister and had a good relationship and then recruited me when he went up to Nebraska a year before I was uh, getting ready to leave for college. And so you get to Nebraska and it, these are things you probably could not have known going in, but you meet a series of people who end up really informing where your life goes next. First of which obviously is your wife, <laughs> your, your now wife, fellow, fellow college athlete. And so what did you see, you know, beyond falling in love with her? And, and, and it sounds like from talking to her, you pursued her pretty avidly. Yeah. Um, what did you see in her that has developed into, you know, really a business partner in, yeah. in many ways? Kati has always been a straight shooter. Uh, she didn't care that I was a big man on campus and she was a couple years younger than me. And I think the biggest thing is that she wasn't like goo goo gaga or anything. It's like, she's just like, I want to get to know you as a true person. So like we went on a couple dates and we got to know each other and always kept in touch. And at, even though I went off to go professional stores, we always remained in, in good solid friends. And I think that the, that's one of the most important things when you have a relationship is having, making sure your significant other is like a true friend, not just somebody that you are obviously a goo goo ga ga for and, and super in love with, but somebody you can actually share things with and they give you opinion, giving you honest feedback of how you're looking at something or maybe look at it a different way. And that's something that I, I admire with her. Uh, and she does that with everybody, let alone on my side of the family or her side of the family. Well, it's interesting too, to, to talk with her a little bit and, and understand the the business dynamic too, where, you know, you guys are sharing, sharing an office, you're listening to each other's calls, you're sort of bringing each other in um, as, you know, sort of ad hoc and, and maybe more formal advisors on a lot of things. That's interesting. No, it's great because we get to have those deep conversations and then ultimately we'll make our own particular decisions about what we want to do, but being able to have a real solid sounding board that's in-house, always with you, and then really our true helping hand to guide you in certain things and help you with that. And obviously we both love real estate. She was a real estate um, 
investor and she worked in uh in a couple of different areas in, in that space selling and buying homes and which was exciting for me it's like being able to see her own she wants to be her own businesswoman she doesn't want to just be at home and taking care of the kids which is a, a massive task for any woman in this day and age but to be able to have that capacity and then also be able to support me and give me criticism at the same time it's it's best of both worlds. We're going to talk about those boys in, in in a few minutes. But before we get to that, I want to stick with Nebraska for a second, because you also get an introduction, uh, a couple of introductions, but we'll start with uh, arguably the world's best known investor, Warren Buffett. You know, you have a chance to be introduced to him, I believe, through Tom Osborne, right, w was the way. Tell me about that and, and kind of how that, you know, becomes a very influential long-term relationship for you. Yeah, so we first met, uh, he came down as honorary captain, at actually my senior game uh, against Oklahoma. So it was a big game. Uh, and they'd asked me, funny enough, like, do you know who Warren Buffett is? He's in town, he'd love to meet you. It's gonna be one of the honorary coaches. I was like, of course I know who he is. Uh, love to meet him, getting ready for a big game, but let's, uh, let's meet real quick. So we did that. And then lo and behold, a couple months later, graduate from the university uh, in January comes around and I, I happened to ask Coach Osborne, I was like, do you think he would ever take a meeting with me? And just to get to know him, obviously I've heard a lot of great things about him and obviously our small interaction. And he was like, I can't promise anything. He's, I've done it before. Some, he's, some, he, some people he's said, he said yes to, some he's not. And lo and behold, I got to, uh, I got to meet him. And ever since then, we've been close friends, confidant, and really a true mentor of being able to bounce a bunch of different ideas off and then also understand how he envisions the world. And I really had the opportunity to even sit back and watch him go through different deals. One of them was his Heinz deal that he was doing, uh, I believe it was with 3G right. uh, a long time ago. So just having that, be able to see that access and where him working his magic is just a very, very, um, great point in my life where I got to continue to do that. And we talk on a quarterly basis as well. So how did it help shape your investment philosophy? Because he has a very specific, yeah. you know, value long-term, you know, so did that influence the way you look at deals? Although he's not fully into real estate and he's changed a little bit because he now has Berkshire, Berkshire Hathaway homes and whatnot, uh, that long-term vision as me growing up and loving real estate is the ethos of what I believe. And being able to have these opportunities and build these, it takes real estate two, three years to develop things. And then obviously the true value is in how long you can hold it and you can maintain and go up and down. We're going through terrible times now and the market's going up and down. And it's just being able to weather those storms. And also additionally, cash is king. When you have the ability to have a cash flowing entity and if you really look at apartments during the pandemic, they were actually the best asset to have. Um, and then going into the housing market, you have bidding wars for people getting into houses. People unfortunately aren't able to get homes and we're not building them fast enough to have a big enough supply. So you have to get to the rental market uh, to be able to have a roof over your head. So there's a lot of different things that, although they may be in different spaces and different areas, that long-term vision and that being able to buy and hold is, one of the greatest things ever uh, that I learned from you. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. So another person you learned from another, and another person you met via the, the football team is Joe Moglia. Yeah. Football coach, the, the only person I think 
I know of, and probably you do too, who has both been a very successful football coach and the CEO and, and chairman of a company, TD Ameritrade, of course. Tell me about meeting him. Yeah, Joe uh, was a great person. Uh, he was only around my senior year. Uh, he was trying to get back into football and decide like how he wants to approach it and how things have changed since he had less uh, been, in the, been in and around that area. And so he was a coach for our defensive staff and uh, not necessarily an honorary, but more of a guy that was just a solid senior assistant, yeah. more or less. And so he was around my entire senior year. And one day I just asked him, it's like, you always leave every Friday before our games and come back Saturdays ready to go. Like, where do you go? And it's always like a black car going out. It's like, I go to New York, go take care of business with TD Ameritrade. I'm the chairman there. And then I come back and obviously have my role here with you guys. And I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting. Like, I'd love to learn more. And so he said, well, make sure you follow up with me after, if you're serious, follow up with me after the season, um, once you're obviously done. So I did that and went and sat in his office in TD, uh, at TD in Omaha. And I was like, this is really, really interesting. The financial world, understanding all the different pieces. And we got into the understanding of like, he wanted to explain to me that you're going to learn how to budget and understand how you need to control your money because you're getting ready to get be a top five draft pick. You're going to come into a ton of money. And how do you handle that? My parents couldn't necessarily teach me those different pieces. They haven't seen and worked with that that amount of, uh, of funds. So being able to have that person that really needed nothing from me and just wanted to share knowledge and I was fortunate enough to see his actual true budget that he was working with on a year to year basis was, was very exciting. I actually still keep that same temp template that I that he gave me. That was 10, 15 years ago that that, that those relationships were were established. How do you ensure that those aren't one off? And and how do you kind of cultivate, you know, whether it's with them or with Nike, you know, th yeah. there are these long-term relationships you have. How do you manage that? I think he said it in that uh, in that segment there of just, I kind of surprised him actually by showing up, being in a suit, being intentional, and then also having that true follow-up. And I think a lot of unfortunate people in my position and people of the stature of being athletes are not necessarily looked at as people that follow through and actually cultivate relationships and actually want to get to know them. I've spent time, I've got on flights and done a ton of things, driving up to, to where people, and you go and meet them on their terms, and then they start to open up because you, they start to see that you're serious, and then they say, all right, I can now trust you, and I can open up and show you how I particularly just, and they have absolutely nothing they want from me. They just want to share the knowledge, and as long as you're reciprocal to that, then you the more you'll gain. So take me back again to that time where you are deciding whether to go pro, yep. that that's a business decision. Yep. You're deciding, you know, kind of what that first contract is gonna look like. That's probably your first really big business deal. Yep. Tell me about it. Yeah, so I had the opportunity as a junior to come out and <laughs> whoever wrote my, uh, my draft grade did me a favor because it had to be late first round, early second round. And I was, uh, when I really looked at it, it's like I could go to the combine and beat some of these guys out. But more importantly, my mom put her thumb down on me and said, there's no question you're going to come back and finish school. And I had like one or two classes left. And so I decided to do summer school and went into the season and said, let me prepare for what the NFL is going to be like. I had one class, uh, a night class, and then uh, a Tuesday and Thursday class for, for an hour. And... Made a decision to come back for my senior year, which is probably one of the best decisions I did because it put me in the ranks to be a top five pick as long as I played uh, played well. And I had, think I had one or two guys I needed to compete with outside of obviously making sure my team was winning and being successful. So decided to come back, uh, had a great season, and kind of the rest was history. And I went off to the NFL and was Sadly, the second overall pick, because uh, I like to be number one, but everything happens for a reason, and I went to a great city. But that decision, you know, to play another year is not without risk, yeah. you know, especially for someone of your stature, literally and, and figuratively. So, you know, that's a business calculation too, right? Yeah, without question. And I think the most important thing was that making sure I had some insurances that in case something happened to me, I was going to be taken care of, but then also from a standpoint of, I had great faith. I wanted to finish school, play at a high level uh, for one more year, and it was the best decision that I made. So you get into the league, and you know, 
you're thrust into a locker room situation where you're one of the younger guys. From a businessman's perspective, what's, what's your initial perspective? Because you went through college like with a plan. You showed up at college with, with a plan to be a, a businessman throughout. What were your initial reactions? Yeah, so when I looked, first got to Detroit, um, I really looked at it from a standpoint of like, this is a city that is striving and wanting to get something winning. They wanted it, they want winners and they want people to play hard. And they just seem like as I, and this is kind of just how I look at everything in life anyways, I kind of analyze things and then sit back and see how things are working. And then I jump full force in after that, after I've kind of gotten an idea of what was going on. And I think a lot of the things that the front office did, uh, which I had no part of, was got rid of some bad eggs that were in there, just in there to play for checks and kind of move on, and then brought in some new blood. You obviously had the great Calvin Johnson, the Matthew Staffords of the world, and people that were playing at a high level, and they really wanted to build a great defense. And they saw me and Kyle Vandenbosch and a couple other guys being kind of those cornerstone guys to be able to do that. And so I embraced that and went out and played as hard as I can. And that city was was absolutely the best. They embraced my my tough, hard-nosed play. And that's really how I was brought up at Nebraska's blue-collar football. And you go as hard as you can and you disrupt that offense and make them hate you. <laughs> All right, so you gave me the perfect opening. Mm-hmm. I've spent a couple of days with you now. I have seen you with your kids. I've seen you, you know, in in a business setting, who you are in person does not jive with the the player in many ways that I have seen on my television, that I've read about. You are ferocious on the field. You are controversial on, on the field. Square that for me. I think when you really people gotta understand, you're not supposed to like me, especially when I'm going against your team and you love the pretty boy that's on who's the quarterback, who's the receiver, and whoever that running back is. My ultimate job is to make them have a living hell of a day. And so if I don't do that, I'm not doing my job. So on the flip side of that, when I get pats on the back and my own fans say, we love the way you play, like you're like the most true, especially old school ways of playing, like that's what I live for and that's how I approach the game and doesn't mean that needs to translate to being off the field. I don't need to be reckless off the field. I wasn't brought up that way. I know how to carry myself. I know how to be a strong young black man in this world and I'll continue to do that. But when I'm on the football field, I'm in between those white lines. My job is to piss everybody off that's around me that's not on my same colored team. And I hope uh, that offense really understands that. And if I'm doing my job, they're throwing two people at me, which they've been consistently doing over the last 12 years. <laughs> is it hard, though, to, like, take all those slings, especially because you're a very serious businessman? You know, it's like you then have to, like, pivot hard in not just in the offseason, even during the season and walk in and be, you know, a very, like, genteel businessman. Yeah, I, I think the interesting piece is is that, being able to have a very great family and having a great wife around you and then also great people that are your business partners and your friends, you know who you are. And being comfortable in your own skin is one of the most important things in life. And I'm very, very comfortable in my skin. And I understand not everybody's gonna like me and that's okay. Uh, But I guarantee the people that don't like me don't know who I am and haven't even taken the time to get to know me. So tell me about the the balance that that you have to strike. Not not necessarily just with that, but being a player, being a husband, being a son, being a business person, being a, a community leader in many ways. You have a rigorous schedule one season and off. Even for the, the non-athletes who, who are watching this, like what what's the secret? Uh, the secret is having an amazing team. Uh, and that consists of my wife, uh, my extended family that helps us not only to keep our house in order, but help us with the kids. Um, and in addition to that, I've got great business partners and people that help me and vice versa. I help them and just being able to have that strenuous schedule and being able to get early in the morning, which is I learned from my dad, you go to work early in the morning. And then obviously he comes and spend time, spent time with me in the afternoons if I didn't go to work with him. And so just creating that schedule and understanding it to be able to say, all right, this is how it's going to work and this is how it's going to be. And really 
that synopsis and that focus is one of the things that keeps me going each and every single day. Having that schedule, I don't know how I would be able to function if I didn't have some sort of schedule. It may, some days, like being at the house, it can be the schedule and just being on the third floor, hanging out with the kids, stuff like that. So for me, it's having that ability to compartmentalize and have that structure is one of the key pieces of being successes, but also it helps you be a great athlete, uh, especially in season, being able to go and focus on football, leave and be able to take my mind away from it. It makes me even more sharper to be able to be in the uh, sports, vice versa. It helps me in business, that competitive edge. I think people look at it from perspective, at least I do. I want to be competitive in the business world as well. You've been pretty upfront since your, your boys were born a, a little over a year ago about, you know, they're a part of your life. They're a part of your, obviously your personal life, but but even a part of your business life. They yeah. pop up on, on Zoom calls. That's obviously a conscious decision. Yeah. Why? I think one of the great things about the pandemic was, and I, there's not many great things about it, what it, it made people more comfortable, more relaxed, to be able to be open to seeing kids in and around. And we were just on a call the other day with a, a great organization we're doing some financial literacy with. And a gentleman had his baby with him. And he was like, if she makes some noise, I'm gonna have to show her. And she made some noise, like, we definitely wanna see her now. And so just, it's, it's just more personable. I think it makes life a little bit easier and, and true to it versus suit and coats, everybody's kind of uptight and straight to business where it doesn't always have to be that way. Even walking around on the job site, you don't always have to be, yes, we have OSHA rules and hard hats and things of that nature, but you can come in sweats, you can come in hoodies and be comfortable, but still be able to get your job done and do it at a very high level. So tell me about um, an emblematic deal for you. You know, it's like, I walk around your house, I'd sort of see evidence of some of the, the things that you've done. Ember um, is one that I'm especially interested in, um, especially because it's become a deal that both you and Katya have, have had a piece of. So, so maybe tell me about that. Yeah, so every single deal that I kind of look at, whether it's from a VC side of things or a PE side of things, run it by my mentors, got great relationships, you know one of them in General Atlantic, being able to see them do some ex uh, extraordinary great things but I always look at it how is it going to change somebody's life how is it going to be impactful uh, I know I can't always look at things from my lens of my eyes and I think Ember is one of those creative creations and you see a guy like Clay Alexander who's done some amazing things created the light bulb LED light bulb and now he's has when I first met he had a book like a library book thick, 100 pages of all the different things that he's patented and created. And so being able to understand not only the quality uh, leaders in that organization, but then unique opportunities and unique things that they're creating, I want to be a part of that and find ways to not only with the low-hanging fruit of name and likeness, but actually add true value and be able to create things like Kati is able to help with them, like myself being able to make different connections and open up different things for that company to grow exponentially. Your mentor, Warren Buffett, talks a lot about how much time he spends reading on, on any given day. What do you read? What, what do you study to sort of keep up with everything? I'm a little bit different. Uh, I think a big thing for me, I, I love my morning brew daily reads. Uh, and then the great thing about that, if you want to dive deeper, you can go into some different pieces uh, that have deeper articles and within them as well as podcasts. Uh, and then I'm super fortunate. Uh, a lot of my people that I'm, I'm centered around uh, send me articles left and right. So I have a bunch of emails and different pieces that I look at different emails, whether it's, I showed you the other day, just how the housing market was changing and million dollar homes are expanding and that much more difficult to get into this, uh, depending on the area you're at. We talked about Tampa, we talked about Portland. Portland was at 2.2% when they came uh, having million dollar homes in 2020. 2022, they're at 16, or they're at 6%, 8%. And so it's it's interesting to see have those articles sent to me and read those different pieces. I look at TechCrunch, um, look at um, different pieces, whether it's Bloomberg and seeing different snippets from there, as well as look at CNBC and see those consistent alerts that come through, so. Transition. Um, I talked to Steve Young about it. He said, it's like falling off a cliff. Yeah. You know, when you leave the league, how do you think about the idea of transition, especially given everything that you've already done in, in business? Yeah, the transition's a difficult one for me. Uh, I look at it 
consistent have over the last couple of years from a standpoint, especially since the boys came into my life. Um, just from a standpoint, I want to spend as much time with them and not miss out on things. Being able, missing their first walk, um, seeing them crawl and do different things kind of sucked, but it's a part of life, being able to support them and being in a, in a great space. But to, to really look at that cliff, no matter what, it's going to be there from an emotional standpoint, um, from a physical standpoint of working out and doing those different pieces, which will actually probably be good. I can sleep until 6.30 probably now. Um, but even so, I think one of the best ways I've approached and envisioned that transition happening is n not being idle and not saying, sitting back and saying, wow, like, what do I do now? Versus I've got a development company over here. I have potential VC company over here. I have a fund over here that I have to, that's gonna keep my attention span focused on those different assets. And there's things that I want to be involved in versus saying, oh, I have to go and grab this job because I need I need this income. And I think that's where a lot of people really struggle uh, because when those that last check comes in, uh, it's very, very difficult. And I've seen that happen to other people and close friends that are in the league or who were in the league. And so how do you balance, especially given the boys, especially, you know, given the state of the league, age, all of those things, how do you balance like the economics versus the emotions? I mean, this is this is a, a deep analysis. This is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Yeah, the, I think the analysis is very straightforward. Uh, it comes down to numbers uh, in a lot of ways, but then also just truthfully, do you want to and do you believe you have more to offer to this sport? And I do I believe I have more to offer without question. Uh, do I aspire to be in the Hall of Fame? No question. Can I build some things that'll help me kind of solidify that uh, furthermore? Yes. Uh, do I want to do that at the cost of not spending time with my kids, not being around my family, kind of putting some other things on the shelf? Uh, and we've had some business meetings. I was in New York the other day and one of the guys said, like, we really want to support you. and We want to help fund some different things for you. But are we putting 85 gas in it or are we putting jet fuel on it? Because I need to understand where you're at in your life and how you want to do. So those are a lot of different decisions to make. And it, I think timing is always going to be key to that. And uh, we've got a good process with me and the wife. Uh, I lean on her a lot. And I think she has a good telltale to give me some different things to think about. And she always says, ultimately your decision, but it's, I truthfully know it's both of our decisions. And so here, sitting here, if I may be so bold in, in May, 2022, you haven't made up your mind yet. I have not made up my mind. And I, I think the main reason I have not made up my mind is because I still have an inkling to want to play, but I also want to see things, talking about the analyzation, you wanted to see the draft. You want to see who's already, who they've already done and see kind of where you peg into some different things and what teams are really starting to shape up because you have a good idea in this May-June time frame. And I've done this before. Uh, I think it was in 2019. Uh, I waited until Memorial Day weekend. I was actually in France when I signed my contract and getting engaged to my wife. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. So at that moment where, where you do make the transition, what do you imagine your relationship with football and, and sports will be? Do you think about broadcast? Do you think about ownership? Like, how do you look at the world of sports from a business perspective, a non-playing perspective? 
From a non-playing perspective in sports, uh, I think it's a great opportunity to not only have a continue your platform and be in and around and help and mentor other people, uh, also give a great voice, especially a defensive voice that's not very prevalent uh, in this day and age when it comes to the networks, in my opinion. And then additionally with that, I would love to have ownership into an NFL franchise or a team like Chelsea uh, on the soccer side, uh, I guess real football, as they call it over there. And so for me, uh, if and when those opportunities do come up, I will definitely consider them. And I think from my standpoint, I, on the sports side, I've always been very big in performance. And I think I have one of the most elite groups that I work with where I've been able to be 35 years old and playing at a very high level and being able to go further on. Uh, but also being able to pass that along to some other guys. And you, you'll you talk to Brennan Scarlett, who's one of those guys who's become part of that program and I've mentored in that space. And then also there's some other guys that have seen and been able to understand how that kind of works. And to be able to implement that on a team perspective, I think you could really change a team's trajectory and keep them in, in a winning state. You mentioned Brennan, which is such an interesting example, or who is such an interesting example, not just from the performance perspective, but from the business perspective. He's your business partner at, at, at Alberta Alley. We got to walk around with him a little bit. Tell me about this next generation coming up, because they're looking to someone like you and, and others um, who have made a, a real impact and, and a real commitment to the business perspective. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Like, How do you assess when, when you go into a a locker room now versus maybe a locker room when you came in, kind of who's for real? Yeah, I, I think it's always hard to tell who's for real. And I, the way I do it is I, no different than Joe did to me, is like you give them an olive branch and if they accept it and they follow through, then you understand that they start to become real and that consistently becomes uh, kind of the cementing stamp of saying, all right, they're serious about business. And I think in this day and age, the interesting piece, whether it's social media and all the different ways of people's interests, what what becomes very interesting is that whether you're a gamer, whether you're in your real estate, whether you're into whatever it may be, you can actually make a business out of that and you can be creative in being able to do that. And as long as you go down that path and say, all right, I'm going to leverage the opportunities that I have and what this shield may have been. Uh, advance me, whether that's NFL Shield, NBA Shield, or all the other sports, um, they can open up some amazing doors for you and you can create that next chapter in your life while you're still playing. And I think that's the transition for, for people in this day and age. And you see guys trading crypto in the locker and right. in the locker room and doing different things like that. And that's kind of the twist and change of how it was when I came in the league in 2010, where Guys are talking about, oh, let's go to the club or what's the next hottest thing versus what's the next hottest stock, which is good and bad. Right. And, oh, are you in Solana? Are you in uh, Metaplex? Are you in these other spaces to where cryptocurrency is a big thing in the locker room and guys talking about that and saying, oh, I want to create my own NFT and not being able to do that. And I think that's even starting even earlier for athletes with these NIL deals. Right. Tell me more about that. I'm fascinated by that because I, I have to think that you, in your mind, must have thought about like, what would I have done oh, man. if I had shown up to Nebraska and, and or wherever and this had been available to me? What what are the sort of pros and cons of, the, of this current kind of wild, wild west? There is a lot of pros and cons. And I think one of the pros, in my opinion, is being, being able to go to a great university. You, you can set up kids for life uh, and they don't have they can play for the university and transition into their normal work life but they would have left and had a nest egg that they've been able to potentially earn through nil contracts and opportunities within and learning and meeting the business community which is then exposure for those kids to say wow i got this great thing and i had some of that exposure being able to go work for a lumberyard being able to work for a structural engineer company at nebraska and those relationships came through the university uh, and it was everything was above board, which was great. And I actually earned a check and got to learn what a W-2 was and, and had to do my taxes and stuff. But some of the negative things is, is you start to see how people are really leveraging. Like we're saying, all right, we've got a ton of booster money. We're going to create these own things. 
And if some kids are deciding, well, if you can't match this, I'm not coming to your school. And it's all about dollars and cents versus kind of the experience and having one, you're going to school, going to school to get an education, to further yourself and then be a student athlete at the same time. So I think there's some different pieces. And I talk about taxes and the financial literacy aspects of things where those kids are going to you're going to see people who make mistakes and the IRS is going to come after them. Rightfully so. Uh, but at the same time, you got to see the adults that are supposed to be overseeing them, whether it's their parents or the universities, being able to say, you need to teach these kids what they're getting into versus just kind of hanging them out to dry. What have you seen in terms of the just staying with the, the league for a second, the evolution of, of player empowerment, but also you know, we're a couple years removed from the, the summer of 2020 when, you know, a long overdue reckoning happened around racial injustice in, in this country. We've seen movement, you know, we're a few years past uh, Colin Kaepernick and, and his protest. What what do you make, especially as as not just a player, but as a businessman, someone who thinks about the economics of the game, your own economics, where are we in, in that journey toward even just economic and, and social equality? Uh, I'm not sure exactly where we're sitting at. I think we're still very early though. Uh, and I think it's something that is gonna need to be ongoing for a very, very long period of time, whether that's decades or hundreds of years. Uh, but I'm glad it started uh, because it needs to be consistent and continue to grow upon that for all races and for all people. And it's unfortunate, like, I look at Portland and we don't necessarily, yes, we've had our own trials and tribulations with race here, but I grew up in an, in an area and in, 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 I guess a time where it really wasn't a big focus. I talked to people as they, who they are versus what they look like. What didn't we talk about from, from your business perspective that, that you think is important to understand you as a, as a business person? Uh, I think one of the most important things we touched on a little bit um, in capitalism, but I'll also we have a very altruistic view when it comes to our real estate endeavors and being able to be have multifamily units and be able to create them uh, in mixed use developments. I think one of the most things I'm going to be proud of as we're getting this journey uh, and started is um, our Ally Project Attainable Living Initiative, where we really want to have the ability to afford attainable living for everybody. Uh, and we're starting here in Portland and we have two projects that are underway. Uh, one of them or two of them right now that are coined are uh, young black professionals where you really have the ability to support young black professionals that are in the construction industry, the architecture industry, all these different industries that they want to live in the urban core versus being pushed out into the suburbs because that's the only place they can afford. But bringing them back in and changing affordable housing to where it's really a private fund, privately funded versus publicly funded, because I, I mentioned this to you, I think we were just talking in my office about it's one of the most expensive ways of building real estate is with affordable housing. Mm -hmm. And it is almost the worst housing at the same time because there's no way to really push it and help people really advance. And I think one of the ways that we can do that with, uh, with AltCap, as we call it, is giving them the opportunity to not only pay rent and understand those different pieces and keep it afloat, but also give them an the opportunity to be a part of it. And one thing you know about people, when they have ownership into uh, a building, they take care of it that much more better. Well, and, and you sparked another question in my mind, which is this notion of housing and real estate as as a key element of, of generational wealth mm -hmm. creation, yeah. as well as closing yeah. the wealth gap, yeah. right? Yeah. How does that figure into to your broader theory? That's ultimately the thing is like, it's a simple concept of like, I don't wanna be at the top of the pyramid or be amongst the 1% and be there by myself. I wanna bring other people with me. And that's ultimately one of my ult ultimate goals to help not only fam fam family and friends, but people that want to help themselves. They just need a helping hand because there was a lot of ways that I didn't, I'm not where I'm at right now if I hadn't been given a helping hand. And so being able to work with people, whether it's on the commercial side of things with Alberta Alley and the housing area, whether it's with Altcap and Ally, or just in general, being able to help people have interests and say, all right, 
this is how I want to be able to uh, affect change and affect lives. Going back to uh, the concept of being able to get social change. Mm. What don't you want to do? Yeah, you have a, a lot of ambition. What I don't want to do? Yeah, like what? Because obviously, you know, the, the, there are only so many hours in the day. Yeah. You you milk a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but what are things where you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm I'm less interested in that, or I'm less interested in that sort of business opportunity. What's your screen? Uh, I don't know if I have a true screen. Uh, I I know at my early ages I've looked at everything uh, and kind of narrowed down to what my main focuses are. But if it's creative enough and it's game changing enough, I'll definitely take a look at it. But I think my core aspects are for sure real estate and and I enjoy looking at investing in companies uh, as well. But real estate in, in, in the investment world, I don't know if I'll be uh, become a computer en- engineer anytime soon. <laughs> As I look at your real estate investments and, and the development projects, there's this continuum, it, it feels like, of, you know, the customer, but, and also the, the ownership, but also that, that in between of like, who's running the restaurants, who's running the retail establishments. Talk about the the intentionality, as it were, of that. Yeah, I think there's a a way to link everything together, and there's a streamline of how they can all be beneficial to not only the top end but also the bottom end of where things start. And I think for people, they if they don't look at it from a holistic approach, then I think you're you're missing the mark. And I think that's something we try and consider be consistent with the people I work with of having that holistic approach of being able to say, all right, we're going to start here and how we can affect other people in a positive manner as we see projects that we're excited about. Because ultimately, as an owner, you have a lot of power in terms of deciding, all right, I'm going to lease to this mm-hmm. person or to this concept or or, yeah. or to this restaurant. And, and that that's a big responsibility. Yeah, it's a big responsibility, not only from an investor, from an investor's perspective, but also just from a standpoint of being able to help this person move their, they have a desire to grow and be different than somebody else versus just saying, all right, uh, I just want to do this and kind of test the waters and then kind of go from there because you have kind of that fiduciary responsibility to one, bring up the neighborhood and make it better than what it was at before you got there and especially after you leave. Uh, and then also be able to return capital and be able to see some things success. And then you wanna be proud of the things that you create as well. So tell me about Brennan. I mean, th- this is a guy who grew up yeah. here, but like you did yeah. in the league, li- like you were, well-educated, well-brought-up. Um, tell me about sort of uh, so, nurturing him, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, our, actually, our fathers met first, and that was the, the linkage. And my dad had asked me, because Brendan's dad at the time was uh, working for the city of Portland, I was like, we should meet with him. And uh, I had a great meeting with him. I want you to meet with him and get to know him and see how he envisions kind of where the city's going and whatnot. And then also, um, during that meeting, Brennan's dad is like, I have a son that's coming up. He just left Central Catholic uh, a little bit ago and he's getting ready to go into the league. So I got happy to meet him uh, and, and connect with him if I can ever be any help. And so later on, Brennan leaves and we get connected and uh, we happen to go to the same physical therapist at the same time. And Brennan was like, yeah, man, I'd love to come work out. I was like, are you sure? I mean, you're working out right now at 10 o'clock when I'm showing up to do physical therapy. Are you sure you want to come work out? And so I said, it's up to you if you want to, but we start at 530. Uh, like, so as we started to get to know each other and he was consistent with showing up even tiny, pull in at 529, 528, uh, super close to, to the starting time, uh, I took a liking to him. Uh, and really, as we started to work on the athletic side of things, we just naturally have conversations throughout our workouts and seeing the different things that he's working on and asked advice and saw what I was doing. And I'm kind of an open book once once I get comfortable with you uh, and understand that you're like a real person and, and don't want to be um, approaching things in a negative way. But long story short, we just started to blossom and grow from that standpoint and pick ideas off each other and really just kind of created a true like little brother, uh, big brother friendship and relationship. And it's kind of taken, a, taken on its own. And from a business perspective, I mean, 
pretty similar play. But I mean, he's sort of coming up through the real estate ranks like like you did, yeah. right? Yeah, he has excitement into the real estate space. And uh, I told him I don't know. I mean, he he lives in he grew up in the north. Uh, part of Portland, which is St. John's, is a little bit different than the heart of Portland and the Northeast where I grew up, but not too different from the standpoint. And so, so I told him, I don't know the nuances out here, but I'm happy to help you with all the resources and the way he took those relationships that I afforded him and cultivated them. I, I said, yeah, he's a real player. He really wants to be involved in these different things. And he's not just kind of joking around. And so that's where he started to build out his team and I told him all the different things that I have and what I do and how I approach different pieces. And he's just gone with it and, and ran. And then obviously we be able to work on projects together, which is fun and interesting as well. So when you think about the locker room, what's the mix of, of guys who are like, you know what, I'm in the league, I'm gonna play football, somebody else will deal with my money and the guys like you who really wanna get into it. Yeah, I think the biggest difference is there's nothing wrong with entrusting somebody if they're a quality person to take care of your money and for you to have kind of the high level and know what to look for. Uh, I think that's great. If you don't want to be in that space, no problem. But for somebody like me who I think is a little anal retentive and from a standpoint of like, I want to know the details and how things work. Um, I've always been fascinated and interested in seeing how I can not only think about things differently, but also how all those processes work. And I think the difference is I want to be hands-on. I've never wanted to be a passive investor. There's nothing wrong with being a passive investor. I think there's some good things and there's some bad things with, with regard to it, but I really want to be hands-on and I want to actually not only add value to my own portfolios, but also add value to other things that I have interest in as well. So Portland, it's a boom town uh, right now. It was more of a small town when, when you were growing up and that wasn't that, that long ago. What have you seen? And Portland's gone through a lot of ebbs and flows. Uh, and I think uh, as of late, people look at the city as it's down in the dumps. Uh, I think one of the things is that we obviously embrace, embrace the homeless community and be able to help and transition them, hopefully get them on their feet. Um, and in addition to that, I think there's a lot of gun violence that happened in the 90s, and we're kind of back in that same wave where it's still at the height uh, of what we've seen in the in the past years. And I think every city goes through these kind of ebbs and flows. And when it comes to development and different things of that nature, I think there's different rules that came into play that made it non-developer friendly, which I think they will start to change and create that. And I think that goes into the legislation and all these different pieces that happen. But I'm always been bullish on this city because one, we're always going to be the cheapest on the West Coast. And it's a great lifestyle to be able to work, but also have amazing weather and play outside, uh, go up to the mountains. You got the desert down South and it's, just one of those cities that like there's amazing things that come out of it you just have to kind of look past the rough feathers that we have going on right now and as we start to clean things up so you've had a obviously a long-term relationship at, with this city it's given a lot to you and, and and to your family where are you in the process of kind of giving giving back to it yeah i think for me giving back to portland is always something super important to me and really to my community that helped me raise me and supported me when I was afar. And, and one of the things that I've noticed, especially watching the Damon Stoudemire's of the world that have played here, uh, but have gone gone away and then come back, uh, they always hold it very close to, them, uh, close to their heart and being able to give back to the community that raised them. So for me, it's one being able to be in different initiatives uh, that the city has, help them grow uh, and show people how to, how to really to get create success for themselves. And that looks at to a ton of different ways for a ton of different people. And so I think it's gonna be an ongoing life goal where I always be giving back to the city and really have ultimate ex excitement to do that and be able to raise my kids to be able to do that same thing as they grow up here as well. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Bloomberg Business of Sports and my conversation with Indomitian Sue. I'm Jason Kelly. Check out the Athlete Empire documentary on Bloomberg.com or via YouTube. And don't miss the premier Athlete Empire that featured Alex Rodriguez and last week's episode with Hall of Fame quarterback Steve Young. We've got lots more in the works 
coming at you later this year. See you next time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.